When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the world of the unusual, the bizarre, and occasionally the macabre. This is Beyond Reality Radio. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to tonight's program. My name is Bruce Markison. Uh, J.V. Johnson, originally scheduled to be back at the helm tonight, but feeling a little bit under the weather, so J.V. should be back tomorrow. So I'll be uh, manning the controls for one more evening, and um, I guess that's lucky for me because tonight is a real treat. We're going to have a chance to talk about some favorite horror movies, some classic horror over the next two hours with our guest. We'll tell you about him in just a moment. Now, as we get started on a late night Tuesday, uh, just a few things to uh, cover as we uh, begin the program. I want to remind you about our website. It's beyondrealityradio.com. Again, beyondrealityradio.com. Great way to uh, listen to the show. We also have all the past programs archived, recorded as well for your enjoyment. Uh, during the course of the two hours, a great way to participate is in our chat room. And you'll find that by going to J.V. Johnson on YouTube. Again, J.V. Johnson on YouTube. Participate in the chat lot, uh, chat room. Lots of uh, friendly folks there. People with a good sense of humor as well. They have dubbed me the shark. That is because of the shark from the original Jaws film. It's a long story, folks. We won't go into that this evening. Perhaps we'll talk about it another night. Uh, but certainly the chat room is a great way for you to participate. Uh, you can also follow Beyond Reality Radio on Facebook. Just go to at Beyond Reality Radio. Follow us as well on Snapchat and Instagram. And a little bit later on, we will take your phone calls. We have a toll-free number. It is 844-687-7669. Again, that number, 844 687 7669 and we'll probably be taking listener calls for our guest in our number two of the program as for tonight's guest a real treat someone we've had on the program a couple of times before uh, jv has interviewed him and has told me that uh, i'm really going to enjoy this and i'm, I'm expecting that i will uh, his name is mr lobo he is the mysterious host of the late night movie program it's a great name, Cinema Insomnia. Cinema Insomnia. It's been a cult sensation for the last 18 years and counting. And we're going to be talking with Mr. Lobo about what might be some of the best movies to watch during this Halloween season, leading right up to Halloween night as well. Uh, by the way, if you want to follow uh, him a little bit more closely, he's got a website, uh, www.cinemainsomnia.com. Dot com. So, Mr. Lobo, classic horror, other horror movies, we'll be talking about that over the course of the next two hours. 
Also, a quick preview about what's coming up over the next uh, several nights. So we anticipate JV will be back uh, tomorrow, Wednesday. His guest is Alan Stivelman, a filmmaker who has done a documentary. is called The Witness of Another World. And he unveils the mystery of a spectacular close encounter witnessed by a lonely gaucho. So that's coming up on the Wednesday night program. On Thursday, JV's guest will be Vincent Jenna, psychic. He'll return to do some ghost busting and help listeners uncover various skeletons in their closets. So that's the Thursday program. Friday, as always, is a best of show. And then next Monday, we'll kick off Monster Week. And that'll be a lot of fun on Beyond Reality Radio. We'll start it Monday night with Constantinos, a cult author who will present the occult truth behind vampires and werewolves. So vampires and werewolves will start Monster Week next Monday right here on Beyond Reality Radio. So that's a taste of what is coming up over the next uh, several days as we do inch closer and closer to Halloween. Hard to believe October is just flying by and the Halloween season, which really for me starts October 1 or maybe even mid-September. It's not just a day for me. I kind of celebrate it for a long period of time. And perhaps uh, some of you out there are similar in the way that you regard this uh, very interesting holiday. Uh, But as we do get closer to Halloween, we want to really get Mr. Lobo's thoughts on some of the best films to watch. Some you may be very familiar with, others may be a little bit more on the obscure side. It's one of the great things about the genre of horror is I'm always discovering interesting films, whether they're new ones or maybe films that were done back in the 60s and 70s that somehow I didn't know about. Somebody tells me about it, I watch it on YouTube or Maybe it comes on cable for the first time. And, you know, I realized, boy, this is a really good movie. This is a movie that I'd never heard about. I didn't know it was this good. It's been out for, you know, 40 years. But it's amazing how these discoveries in the horror genre keep happening. And I also happen to think that we're kind of in a renaissance period for the genre right now. Uh, horror has rarely been in better shape. Some of the best quality horror films now being shown in theaters, uh, also being shown on uh, streaming services like Netflix and Shudder, and and of course the various television shows uh, that are offered as well. Uh, You know, I've been a Walking Dead fan really since day one, amazed that the show uh, has really maintained such a high level of quality for 10 years. Uh, About a year ago, The Haunting of Hill House uh, came out. Uh, That was terrific. There's going to be a Another season of that. A few years back, it was Penny Dreadful, which uh, was just a terrific, terrific show. And I think it was Showtime that decided to cancel it after only three years. Um, Maybe a cost-cutting maneuver. I'm still not exactly sure why they did it, but it was a terrific program. And it featured all the classic monsters, Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman, uh, it uh, even Dorian Gray, they were all featured in uh, that really excellent production. Um, unfortunately, only about 30 episodes were made because they did rather abruptly cancel it after the third season. So the uh, horror genre, great horror films, that'll be the subject of conversation tonight on this edition 
of Beyond Reality Radio. Once again, JV with the night off. Bruce Markison filling in. JV should be back tomorrow night. And in just a moment after our first break, we will be back with the host of Cinema Insomnia. His name, Mr. Lobo, talking about horror films. We're just getting started on a late night Tuesday. Did you know that online retailers like Amazon have constant deals that can save you money on the things you buy every day? It's no joke. Save 40%, 50%, even 80% on great products. And all you have to do is know about them. Noodle Shark is the way to be alerted when something good is coming your way. Noodle Shark is the social media page that lists great deals that not only save you money, but give you the deals before anyone else has them. All you have to do is find Noodle Shark on Facebook. Search it as The Noodle Shark. That's The Noodle Shark. Because you deserve to save too. Become a Shark and Save. Uh, joining us tonight to talk about the genre of horror films is Mr. Lobo. He is a TV host, writer, actor, and producer, uh, particularly dedicated to unusual and low-budget cinema. He's also appeared in many films himself and was cast as Criswell in the long-awaited remake of Plan 9 from Outer Space. And his motto has long been, they're not bad movies, they're just misunderstood. Joining us on Beyond Reality Radio is Mr. Lobo. Welcome to the program. How are you? Uh, thank you for the warm welcome. I'm, I'm quite well. I don't know if I can w- live up to such a, a wonderful uh, introduction. Thank well, you, Bruce, I, for that. Yeah, JV has uh, raved about you and says you're a lot of fun, so we have high expectations, but... I'm very confident that you're going to meet those expectations. Uh, I'm a I'm a huge horror film buff. Um, for me, the the Halloween season it doesn't begin on October 31st. It it really begins prior to October. I I start looking for the schedule of films from Turner Classic Movies, uh, AMC, mm-hmm. Sci Fi, Comet, all these different channels. When when does the Halloween season start for you as far as getting geared up? January first, usually. <laughs> so it's year round for you. Pretty much year round, and uh, uh, you know, and unfortunately, you know, we live in such a uh, golden age of accessibility. I remember when the Walking Dead started. We're like a horror television show. We all have to watch this. This is the only horror thing on TV, and now it's so. Uh, in, there's such a I've never in my life like I haven't seen that yet. I've missed that. Oh, I missed that too. Oh, I haven't got to this yet. You know the the so it, it's it, you don't have to go circling things in the TV guide anymore. There's there's a lot to choose from, especially if you have streaming services like Amazon, Netflix, etc., and Shutter. And, yeah, you know it's just uh, it's uh, it's it's. It's a embarrassment of riches as far as uh, good horror product and availability is concerned. Yeah. My interest in horror goes back probably to 1972 when I was about seven years of age and I became interested in Frankenstein, the the original Frankenstein film, which would show up on, on television. I always tended to stay up late. For you, Mr. Lobo, what was, what was the first horror film that you remember that really jump-started your passion? Oh, boy, that I remember. That's, that's really, that's... That's tough, you know, because, you know, in the beginning, um, you know, my dad watched Creature Features on television, and that was the local horror-hosted television program in Northern California, hosted by Bob Wilkins. Oh, so, yeah. So, so, so I was... Um, and as a, I was a pretty mild kid and really terrified. I mean, bed-wetting nightmares uh, from everything. 
Uh, but I, I wanted to be close to my dad, and I would kind of hang out, in a little, usually hiding under the coffee table, uh, watching <laughs> those uh, the movies on uh, Creature Features. And um, a lot of them, I, I think I remember the names of. <laughs> There's a few, like, White Whales. I think everybody has them, where it's like, you know, I think it's this movie, but yeah. it's the first thing I really remember, because um, uh, I saw it through my fingers, you know. Um, but... Uh, you know, I think it's, I can't remember if it's uh, House That Dripped Blood or one of those movies, but it had a very convincing crawling hand uh, that was uh, coming across the ground. And I don't know how, if it was puppeted or what, but it, it, it like I, I thought that hand was coming for me. Yeah. I, for I think years, you're right, I though. I think it is the House hand. of Dripped Blood. Oh, the crawling hand was the, it wasn't crawling hand it was a different movie but yeah it's oh, okay. one of those, but it's one of those ones but i also remember um you know uh see, seeing of course um frankenstein and the wolfman at a young age uh being really impressed with the invisible man trying to wrap my head up with gauze and you know <laughs> sunglasses and trying to imitate that i don't know if you ever dre- tried to dress up as any of the monsters as a kid sure yeah, absolutely um but I'd yeah like- I, you know there's a few there's a few that, ju- that that jump out that but it's hard to say what the very very first one really was i do remember there was a scene at lady frankenstein that really bothered me where the monster grabs a bird out of the air and eats it mm. And I, <laughs> that was like too much. Yeah. I just, I just remember just going. That, that's it. I'm, 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 I'm out. You know. Yeah. So but uh, I think at a certain point, you know, um, especially with Bob Wilkins as the host, he was such a calming presence, such a cool guy. That you, that, and it's funny because I wanted to be close to my dad. My dad fell asleep five minutes into the first movie. You know, <laughs> so it was really Bob that was talking to me through the television set. And um, and then by the time, and I really want to say, sci-fi was really the gateway for the love of horror for me because I, I started really getting into the Star Trek reruns. And by the time Star Wars came out, anything that had any kind of imagination or fantasy, or you know, Alien. You know, all of those uh, late 70s, you know, Jaws, Alien, all that stuff. Um, you know, it, the floodgates were opened and all bets were off. You know, it didn't scare me anymore, especially when I started getting interested in, in making special effects. And, and, and that was kind of like, you know, everybody had their 8mm camera and was trying to recreate monster effects and things that they saw. And I think that the, a lot of that just the wanting to make movies and make television, I think kind of made it more fun for me and not, not as much of a, uh, you know, why are they torturing me? <laughs> why are they showing me these things? You know, so it was a big flip, a big switch flipped. And then I just couldn't get enough of it. You talk about Bob Wilkins, really the first horror program that you remember and, and something that you probably watched on a, on a weekly basis. I've only seen, snippets clips of him on youtube um but he was not a guy that wore a costume he 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 did use humor but uh, he seemed to have a little more of a straight laced approach and he didn't have the wacky get up 
he did not dress as a vampire or a um, ghoul or a mad scientist. That was the typical format for those sorts of things. In the 50s, there was the shock package that released a television, which was the um, screen gems had access to all of the um, universal movies. So, you know, Son of Frankenstein and King Kong and all those movies came to TV, and they had a package that suggested that you find a local actor or something, you know, or the, the sportscaster put a Dracula cape on him and have him be a, a spooky presenter for these um, movies. And so by the time Bob was doing this in the early 1970s, late 60s, early 1970s, and beyond, this was kind of like, uh, I don't want to say it was a cliche, but I think I think this was a uh, this was a counterculture period. You know, this was this was this was the era of uh, uh, the '60s and uh, the, the uh, hippies and you know Watergate. And I think Bob just decided that he would have this really straight approach, no get up. You know, and, and but he was a character. He was just kind of a character of himself. And I think it was a kind of a uh, deadpan. Um, like I said, uh, reversal on what you'd expect. And, uh, you know, what the funny thing about Bob is he always told you how terrible the movies were, which <laughs> was a marked distinction from the shock theater era. The creature features era was that the movies that were coming to television in the 70s were not Son of Frankenstein and the Invisible Man and King Kong by and large. Yeah. Most of the product that was coming to TV in the 70s was the drive-in grindhouse fair of 60s, and a lot of that stuff wasn't so great, you know, Horror Party Beach and The Brain That yeah. Wouldn't Die and Plan 9 from Outer Space, and and so that's so bad, it's good ethic. Mr. Lobo, you mentioned during our opening segment uh, a movie that I love. It's it's actually, it's, it's one of my top 20 favorite horror films, and it's not that well known, The House That Drip Blood, which I think was an amicus production from around 1972. It's an anthology. It's very, very well done. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on some other uh, films that maybe are not that well known, but that people should be looking out for during this Halloween season. I'll give you another film of mine that kind of falls into this underrated or obscure category, but this was a made-for-television movie that came out in 1970 called Crowhaven Farm with Hope Lang, uh, John Carradine, among other people. Not sure if you saw it, but it, it was one of the first horror movies I saw on TV. Scared the daylights out of me. and I've, I've looked back at it now, and it still holds up. It's very well made. You know, I think I did see it on television, but, you know, honestly, I don't remember it really well. It'd be great to find a, uh, find a copy of it and, and, and revisit that. Film, yeah, but you're a, right. I haven't, I haven't heard anyone talk about it in a long time. Yeah, it's a witchcraft film. Hope Lang moves into a country home and uh, turns out that there are witches in the area. It's got several twists and turns. It's the kind of film that makes you feel very paranoid after you've uh, right. you've seen it. How about from your perspective? Can you can you give us one or two films that you feel are are sort of like that? They they're not necessarily classic or famous or well known but that are really good movies that we should make an effort to watch. Boy, you know, there's a million of them, you know, and it's really, it's really hard because I feel like it, it, it fluctuates all the time. Uh, ones that I 
will think about and, and keep going back to. Uh, you know, some it's interesting because uh, as you, as you get older, those movies, uh, you know, even from the from the eighties and stuff, start looking a lot better than you remember them. You know, um, I honestly think that uh, Night of the Creeps is a great horror movie, and I don't know if that gets enough attention or not, but uh, it's it's so over the top, and, and certainly for Halloween, it's a great thing to have on in the background, because there's every five minutes, it's a different movie. I don't know if you're <laughs> aware of that film or not. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Tom Atkins, Jason Lively. right. These slugs that get inside of uh, human bodies and sort of pilot them around like zombies, and and then you've got this axe murderer that's been cryogenically frozen, and aliens. It's just it's just got a little bit of everything, you know. Yeah. And I, I think it's one of those things. I think it's more appreciated uh, now because I think of streaming and stuff. I think people are finding it, you know, finally finding it. Uh, you know, they're even talking about perhaps revisiting. Uh, that world of, of that movie. Um, but, uh, you know, and I I think that, uh, you know, I saw, I I actually presented a movie, uh, at monster bash, um, which was, which is, uh, you know, just one of those monogram poverty row, uh, horror movies, but voodoo man with, um, Bela Lugosi, and it doesn't just have Bela Lugosi. It's got John Carradine and uh, and George Zuko, and uh, you know they're um, you know it's just this it's 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 super low budget and it's really simple, but but they're they're using every kind of mumbo jumbo they can think of to try to bring uh, Bela Lugosi's wife back to life, and they're abducting these uh, abducting these uh, hitchhiking hitchhiking. Um, girl motorist i think that's what every character girl motorist number one girl motorist number two <laughs> but uh you know they keep kidnapping these girls and uh um trying to take steal their life essence with these sort of voodoo rituals and try to bring back uh bella lugosi's uh bride it's and it's 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 self-referential i think it's uh it's just one of those movies that um you know it's it's simple and straightforward and uh you know a good movie yeah, I've seen Night of the Creeps. Voodoo Man, I have not seen. Is that is that one where Lugosi is the featured player, or they kind of use his name to sell the movie? Oh no, no, he. This is nineteen forty four. He's the okay. featured guy. He's the um, he's uh, Doctor uh, Malone, I think his his character name is. But he's the classic mad scientist. That he's the main baddie, and then his henchmen are um, George Zuko and. Um, John Carradine. Mm. So, uh, but um, yeah. So it's, it's it's he's definitely Bella is strong in it actually, and he gives a very kind of sympathetic performance. It actually reminds me of Victor Freeze <laughs> in Sub Zero, mm. which is a Batman animated film, but yeah. where he's trying to kind of bring his wife back, and even though he's a bad guy and he's doing these bad things, he's he's got this kind of very personal motivation. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, like I said, there's a ton of those movies, some of those, ton of those cheap monogram, what's what they call PRC or poverty cinema. But, uh, it's just one of those things where it's like, wow, that's, it's just, you know, that's a, just a straightforward, good little movie, you know? And uh, it was great to see it with an audience and we got to play off a lot of the elements in, in the film. They've got these funny ceremonial robes, like they're supposed to be doing, uh, 
voodoo, witchcraft, whatever, and they've got these robes with just like random symbols on them, like, you know, various, you know, like a star and a handprint and a, uh, you know, astrological signs, whatever they could think of, it might be somewhat uh, black arts-ish, you know, yeah. number seven, you know, any, anything that could stick on that robe uh, to make it look uh, like they're doing some kind of hoodoo, it was, it's, it's pretty great. You know, Lugosi actually was in the news just the other day. In fact, I think it was Monday that a museum in Los Angeles acquired his cape from Dracula from Bella Lugosi Jr. They just added it to their collection. Um, I think it was a donation. I don't think it was purchased, but it had been with Bella's uh, son for many, many years. It had been in the family. Uh Uh, So that has just been acquired. Lugosi is always interesting. You know, for a while... uh, it was fashionable to make fun of him, to parody him. I think mm-hmm. in recent years, though, there's a new appreciation for him. I know I have it. Your thoughts on Lugosi and where where his legacy should be? Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, Lugosi was a guy who liked to work and was in a lot of films. And, you know, people ask why there aren't Karloff's and Lugosi's and Vincent Price's anymore. It's like, because we don't have people who do 200 horror movies, you know? There aren't that many people who have that kind of um, uh, commitment to a genre, you know, or some might say a typecast uh, to a genre. But, you know, I think that um, I think he had a tremendous amount of talent. I think the thing that that, that Karloff Karloff always said is that he would have probably been had an easier time of it if he lost the Hungarian accent. But honestly, the Hungarian accent makes him special, you know what I mean? It kind of really makes him stand out. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, I love Plan 9 from Outer Space, and he's obviously just it's just stock footage of him into, into that. I like him in Bride of the Monster, and that's supposed to be him at his lowest of the low. I think he always pulls in a good performance, no matter, you know, if it's Bella Lugosi meets, <laughs> meets a Brooklyn Gorilla, uh, or or it's it's Dracula or or Return of the Vampire, or it, he always 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 uh, pulls in a good good performance. There's an intensity that he has that's that's great to watch. And uh, you know, movies are entertainment. You know, and I don't, I think that uh, you know I think I know the Bell Lugosi Junior doesn't have a uh, you know I think he he sees like uh, you know um, he feels like people like Ed Wood cheapened his father's act, but I think that, uh, I don't agree with that. I, I feel like, um, you know, there are people who have a reverence for those movies too. And, um, you know, um, you can laugh at a high budget movie the same way you can laugh at a low budget movie. Yeah. And, um, so I, I, I think that, uh, for me, I think the, Keep it all on the resume, because I think it's all good. Yeah, I agree. You mentioned another interesting actor from Voodoo Man, and that's John Carradine, who's somewhat forgotten today, but prolific and made made hundreds and hundreds of films. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, absolutely. Lots of bad so ones, many. but lots of good ones, too. I actually first became aware of him watching a rerun of the Munsters because he was Herman's boss at the funeral parlor. And then I learned later that he had been in all these, uh, these films in earlier years. You know, he did Dracula. He did a variety of, of villainous roles. Um, maybe not at the same level of a Lugosi or a Karloff, but, you know, still a very significant career. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think, again, I think it's, you know, he's been in 200 or more movies, and that's probably a, 
a low estimate with John Carradine. Um, but yeah, I mean, he has an intensity to him and, and a, a commitment to him where you see him, if you're a fan of horror movies, you're going to see this guy again and again. If you're, if you're collecting those baseball cards or you're ticking off that bingo card, hey, oh gosh, it's another John Carradine thing. That's an exciting thing because it's, it's, it's another companion for you <laughs> who, who, who's, who's watching all of these movies uh, or at least from the inside out. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, I always try to keep my eye out on who's, you know, you know, like John Carradine, certainly my horror fans is appreciated much in the same way that Lugosi and Karloff are. But I always think, well, who, what are some newer ones? Who are some people who, you know, who has that kind of commitment? Who's been in so many movies that you, you, that movie fans will love them. And I, I think that there are some ones, like, I think like Donald Pleasance almost falls in, in that category now, uh, certainly with all the Halloween films, but you know he he's, he did tons of films with um, you know Peter Cushing and, and Christopher Lee, and he's right in there with those guys, and he's good too, and his performances are good and intense, and he plays a good bad guy, and um, you know I think of even more modern people like uh, Lance Heinrichsen, you know he's in Aliens and all sorts of things and Millennium and. And, you know, not a lot of great stuff, but so much. That guy works so much, you know. Yeah. We're, and we're, really, we're really blessed that a lot of these guys work so cheap because we get to see them in, like, 300 movies. Another guy I think of, um, and, and sadly, um, he was in the news for, for tragic reasons. Uh, we lost Sid Haig just a few weeks ago. Oh. Somebody that really had a late career resurgence and became synonymous with horror films, um, it seemed like um, his appearance in um, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses just completely resuscitated his career. Um, did you ever have a chance to meet Sid? Oh, yes. Uh, we did a very intense interview right at the height of House of a Thousand Corpses fame. Uh, his two favorite films were... Uh, two of his horror films, which were uh, House of a Thousand Corpses and Spider Baby. That is mm. now that is an underrated cult movie that everyone should watch tonight after they're doing the show. Yeah. But uh, Spider Baby, and and then I and then I'm thinking, you know, and and that association was so strong with horror. But really, I think at that time he'd only done four or five horror films. His genre was exploitation movies, and he'd been in a ton of them, you know, like the Big Bird Cage and those sort of like women in prison movies and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of stuff uh, a lot of his fare fell in that category. And those movies are ki- kind of got retroactively, I think, blended with horror films because of things like Grindhouse and stuff like that. And so now it's, it's kind of like... Um, uh, you know, I think that they're almost, uh, I want to say they're the same genre, but I think a lot of exploitation fans are horror fans and vice versa. And I think that, um, you know, it definitely, there's a ton of films with Sid Hagen and, and there's a sci-fi product too, like, um, Galaxy of Terror and, um, Jason of Star Command, and a lot of great places to see uh, Sid Haig being a great actor. And Sid Haig was did Shakespeare. You know, this is mm. a guy who's a really, really good actor. He's just in some very misunderstood movies. Yeah, you mentioned Spider Baby, and that's that's a great call on that film. Uh, one of the things I love about it is that it's a link of one generation to another. Sid Haig 
was in that film with Lon Chaney Jr. toward the end of Chaney's career. I can't think of many actors today who worked with Lon Chaney, and there you have that link. Yes, and anyone, Man Tan Moreland was in there too. <laughs> you know, and that's a whole different uh, kind of era of film that's com- completely gone. And you know, Man Tan Moreland was in a ton of kind of. Um, I guess they would have been 30s black exploitation mm. horror films like Revolt of the Zombies and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, uh, Lon Chaney, yeah, of course, the Wolfman, and and you know, he was a severe alcoholic. I interviewed uh, Jack Hill, who um, directed um, Spider Baby, and he said that he cleaned up just to be in this movie because he wanted to do it so bad, and he was um, tremendous at teaching and helping the young actors in that film and there was a lot of kind of uh magic in a bottle and and kind of um spontaneity and improvisation that really makes the performances in that movie incredibly good for you know a drive-in movie um and um Sid Haig told me that uh it was about 120 degrees in southern california when they were filming that and Cheney, who was rather heavy at the time, perspired enormously. And the the effort that Cheney put in was something that Haig never forgot. Yeah, you know, and his perspiration, I feel, adds to the the tenseness <laughs> of the situation. I mean, yeah. he's he's considering ending an entire bloodline of people, you know, that are that are his his extended family, practically, you know, and that that's uh, spoilers for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so so he's he's got he's got a lot of responsibility. He's got a lot of heavy things on his mind, and um, a lot of bittersweet moments uh, with him uh, dealing with that situation. Uh, and I think that you know his that, that sweat I think gives it something. Mr. Lobo, we have just a couple of minutes before our top of the hour break. But um, for those uh, listening that have not seen your show. Uh, I believe they can access it through Roku, if I'm not mistaken. But give us the specific details. Uh, How can we watch your program? Sure. There's a few ways uh, you can watch. Uh, I have a uh, my own streaming channel called OSI 74, which is kind of a UHF station from another dimension uh, as far as the content goes. A lot of weird retro stuff, and you can uh, just add it to your Roku if you have a Roku device. If you don't have a Roku device, uh, just look for Cinema Insomnia episodes on Vimeo. I think there's about 85 episodes on Vimeo. And if you're a DVD collector, I just signed with uh, oldies.com. And so Alpha Video, which used to put out, or still do put out, uh, amazing monster movies and stuff, um, classic monster movies, are now also putting out my, my stuff's now old enough <laughs> for them. <laughs> So by, uh, uh, they're putting some of my earliest episodes out, but hopefully they'll put them all out. Um, but uh, they've got six episodes out on DVD now at oldies.com and uh, more and more and more to come. You know, I just switched to Roku about six, seven months ago. I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's now great. That I, I know, hardly watch anything else, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's terrific. Um, um, I also have YouTube TV in conjunction with it, but there's so much there. And now that I know that your program is available, that's only going to um, to add to my consumption of horror. So that's that's good to know. Um, well, I'm, I, yeah, hope you enjoy. Yeah, Thank absolutely, uh, Mr. Lobo. During the first hour, we talked about some of the legends: Lagosi and Carradine, Lon Chaney Jr. 
For me, though, the king remains Boris Karloff. Uh, we obviously mm-hmm. know about his great work in the original Frankenstein and several of the follow-up films, also in The Mummy as well. Let's talk about a lesser-known film that he did in the 1940s for Val Luton, The Body Snatcher. It's a personal favorite of mine. Your thoughts on Karloff in The Body Snatcher? Boy, I mean, the atmosphere in that film is just incredible. Um and, uh, you know, I, I guess that's the thing that strikes me the most of it, but Val Luton is just, you know, an amazing director. So, you know, I, I but yeah, that's, uh, that's what I haven't, again, that's another one I think I should probably revisit and watch again, but certainly Karloff is effective and creepy in it. And, uh, you know, I should be on a must list for, for Karloff fans for sure. Yeah. Has the added bonus of Lugosi as well, although he has a relatively, a minor role, but they do have an interesting confrontation uh, in that movie. Uh, and you're absolutely right about Luton, who was able to do so much with so little. I think, I think too, it's interesting how there's a few films, you know, where it's, it's uh, Carlos and Lugosi, and Lugosi's playing a smaller role. I always think of Son of Frankenstein, where he's Igor. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a great role, but certainly, uh, you know... Uh, Karloff has the major role in that. Yeah, and that kind of reflected their careers, the way that they went off. Karloff um, got the better roles, the better salaries, and Lugosi typecast, limitations in the English language, uh, the Hungarian accent, you mentioned that earlier. Um, And his career really went through a lot more valleys than Karloff's did over those those subsequent years after Dracula. Uh, Yes, and you know, uh, unfortunately, also to add to that, I think Lugosi had the problem of uh, addiction, which uh, you know he dealt with quite bravely, honestly, uh, in getting uh, care for himself and, and going to rehab, which was uh, I think he was the first celebrity <laughs> to do that. Yeah. Um, and uh, of course, not in the way it's depicted in the Tim Burton film Ed Wood. Um, which a lot, of, which which I think upsets a lot of people. But I'm I'm not really upset at the film Ed Wood because Ed Wood is a comedy, and it's obviously a comedy. It's a it's a it's a it's a, like a Back to the Future movie. It's a comedy with historical characters in yeah. it. I don't think anyone is looking at that movie and going, "Oh, that must have been exactly the way it happened." I mean, this is obviously filtered through this fog of. Um, you know, Ed Wood's optimism, um, which, you know, even Ed Wood's life, anybody who knows anything about Ed Wood's life, his life was extremely tragic. So, you know, this is kind of a wish. This is a, uh, this is, this is, this is, that's some fantasy football there in the, uh, in the Ed Wood, uh, film as far as how Lugosi is treated. And, and, and I think sometimes that's okay. I, you know, it's the tip of the iceberg and people who are really interested in Lugosi can find out about him and learn about him and watch his films and see what he was really like. Getting back to Karloff for a moment, neither of us are old enough to have ever met Boris Karloff. I was all of three uh, when he died. I think it was 1968. But have you ever had a chance to interview his daughter, Sarah? Uh, Yes. You know, I did a uh, panel with her uh, at WonderCon, and she brought some of her home movies and projected them. And man, it was incredible to see him uh, playing and uh, being silly, and you know, re- reading reading her the comic comics out of the newspaper or whatever. Being a dad, all that stuff was great to see. 
um, you know, uh, what, a, what a charming and fun and, and uh, you know, cool dad he must have been. So yeah. that, that, that part is really interesting. And on a side note, I'd like to say that Bob Wilkins got to interview Boris Karloff for Creature Features, and, um, you know, it was, it was, he was trying to get, you know, with Bob's humor, he was trying to get Karloff to insult his show. He was saying, that, oh, I've never heard of Bob Wilkins. He wanted, he wanted, he wanted, he wanted Karloff to do that and pretend he never heard of him. And Karloff was such a nice man that he couldn't do that kind of derisive humor. He was like, oh, you know, if you're showing my movies, long life and good luck to you, you know what I mean? So he, he couldn't even do that. So it shows you what a, what an incredibly kind gentleman Karloff was. We are taking calls for Mr. Lobo, 844-687-7669. Let's go to our first caller of the night. We have Mike. He's on the line from the state of North Carolina. Mike, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. You're on with Mr. Lobo. Okay, thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. Yeah, I just had a question. Uh, there's a movie, Return to Babylon. I think it was released back in um, maybe just 2013, and... Apparently, I think it was made to be. It was. It's a silent movie. Supposedly, they found some uh, rolls of sixty millimeter film on a sidewalk in Hollywood and decided to make this silent film. And they're portraying a lot of the silent film era actors: uh, Fatty Arbuckle, Clara Bow. I think Jennifer Tilly was the actress who played Clara Bow. But apparently, when they made this film, a bunch of supernatural stuff is now coming out about it but i don't know is this a hoax or is there something to it because i remember jennifer tilly had said she had had some paranormal experiences when they were filming hmm. apparently some of the the films and the stills have come out with some images that could be called paranormal that's interesting it seems very convenient for someone marketing a horror film to experience yeah. uh paranormal activity while making a horror film as far as from a, from a promotion standpoint but I have not heard anything about that. I've heard of the film. I know it's kind of um, sort of, a, I guess, a newer take on a found footage movie, only you're finding an old silent era film. It's from 2013. But other than that, I don't know a lot about it or whether those claims are, are true. I wish I did. Yeah, I, I was just kind of curious about it because I've heard some things on it. And some people were saying what shows in it, they wouldn't have had a budget to pull some of that mm. off. And I think originally it was supposed to be more of a film on the scandals, you know, the Fatty Arbuckle yeah. scandal he had and things like that. I think Rudolph Valentino's portrayed in it. And then some in these weird things started happening. So I don't know if it's a hoax and they used it for marketing or if there may be something to it. Yeah, I'll have to look into well, that I, uh, a little bit more. I'm, I'm curious about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is curious. Uh, yeah, I, w I guess we'll have to watch it and, and figure that out. Mike, yeah. thank you for the call. Um, thank Mr. you, Lobo, another interesting uh, a film is, somewhat in the obscure category, and they had problems during the filming. Um, the Devil's Reign with William Shatner and Ernest Borgnine came out around, I think, 1976. And it was a film about the occult and about devil worship, and Borgnine is the head of the local cult. And Ernest Borgnine said that a lot of weird things happened during that filming, and he said... He would never do another film about satanic worship or having anything to do with satanic themes after that. You remember The Devil's Room? I, re I remember hearing that, and, yeah. I, and I do remember that there was, um, you know, uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, that they just had uh, so many problems getting the film made. I do, and I think that... Um, 
but I don't rem- I don't I'd never heard that about uh, Ernest Borgnine saying he'd never do another film with satanic themes. That's 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 interesting. But I, yeah. I, I do know the movie. John Travolta's um, first film. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, very small about role. That. Very small. I know that it, it it wasn't received well. That's the thing I remember about the. Devil it's a bizarre it. movie. It's very hard to follow. It's got a lot of great actors: Shatner and Borgnine and Travolta and uh, a few other uh, veterans of of Hollywood. But it's um, a, a bizarre script. Um, uh, very fragmented and. You, takes you about three times to 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 watch it to really have any sense of what's going on and even then you're still confused uh let's go to another uh, phone uh, call uh, we have brian on the line from the state of rhode island brian you're on the line with mr lobo welcome to the program hey there hey uh i just have a question when i tuned in earlier I, you were talking about a movie i missed the title but from the plot synopsis i'm guessing that it must have been crow is that right Crowhaven Farm. Crowhaven Farm. Yes. It, okay, so that uh, I agree that uh, oh uh, that terrified me. Uh, I think that's at the time that was a scare. Since since then, it's still the scary one of the scariest. But it was part of the uh, the ABC movie of the week, and that's right. There was a lot of really good horror films and thrillers in that. Uh, ABC, but they weren't always that genre. But when they did it, they were always really, really good. Yeah. And I was wondering if you knew if there, if those are out anywhere. I've seen Crowhaven Farm on YouTube um, for free. Uh, that was a couple of years ago. I don't know if it's still there. But you know, you make a good point about those made-for-TV films in the early 1970s. Uh, Mr. Lobo, I imagine you remember uh, that genre and uh, some of the oh, films. Oh, sure. A yeah, I always think cheesy, of a but... trilogy of terror with Karen Black. I always thought that was really uh, incredible. Yes. With the with the um, uh, the the fetish doll, the Zuni fetish doll. Yes. <laughs> also gave me bedwetting nightmares. I think, and. Um, you know, I think there there was uh, another. You know, obviously Salem Lot was for television. You know, there was yes. a lot of really great horror product for for TV in the in the seventies. Here's one of my sure. favorites in that genre: Kolchak, the Night Stalker. Oh, absolutely! Kolchak was the best fan. I think those scripts were amazing on that show. Um, actually, John Huff, who wrote a lot of the scripts for for. Um, I got to interview him for Cinema Insomnia. Um, uh, but yeah, Kolchak, the Night Stalker was great. You know, he was just an unassuming reporter who would find himself in these, uh, you know, supernatural things. And the, one, the one that sticks out to be the most is they did a version of the Headless Horseman, only he was on a motorcycle. <laughs> right. Uh, here's another one, a little more obscure, Satan School for Girls. Do you remember that one? Yes. Yeah, that one I remember... <laughs> Pretty well. Um, uh, I remember the wardrobe of that film a lot. But uh, yeah, it definitely uh, sort of. Uh, I think they tried to remake that, if I'm not they did, mistaken. Yes. And, uh, and um, you know, but how do you recapture that made for TV energy? Yeah. <laughs> the original also had two of Charlie's Angels, uh, future Charlie's Angels, Kate Jackson and Cheryl Ladd, were both in that movie as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that, that's probably the most notable thing about that movie is the presence of uh, 
couple of Charlie's Angels, uh, which which was interesting because I, I don't know if you've ever heard that rumor that Charlie's Angels is supposed to be uh, <laughs> sideways inspired by Charlie Manson, which is a would be a weird thing to think really? about. Really, uh, where you've got. Charlie telling his girls what to do for him. <laughs> That's a different movie altogether. I, I had never heard that. Interesting. Interesting. But, uh, uh, yes, yeah, so, so, but the other, other, I think, inspiration, uh, Ted B. Michaels, who made uh, The Astro Zombies, who I also got to work with, um, he did a movie called The Doll Squad, which if you ever see, and it was before Charlie's Angels, I think they took a lot from The Doll Squad, blow for blow, as far as the structure of um and they asked a lot of the girls from the doll squad to be charlie's angels and they all turned it down out of loyalty to um to ted michaels but i think they asked every single girl that was in the doll squad to be uh one of charlie's angels brian well, thank you Kurt very much Tana. thank you for the call brian we appreciate it i'm very curious though about the name of the show i love it cinema insomnia did you come up with that or does the credit go elsewhere yes no, I the, 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 I did come up with it. It wasn't my first choice. We were going to call the show Insomniac Theater originally, mm-hmm. and then we were hearing some rumblings that some of the I started an ABC affiliate in Northern California, and some of the uh, there was some rumblings that some of the other there were some other stations that were calling their overnight movie Insomniac Theater in other markets, and uh, the David Tell's show. This is in two thousand one. David Tell's show Insomniac premiered. And I thought, okay, well, I've got to mix it up here. Well, I grew up with creature features. Maybe we get an alliteration happening. Mm-hmm. Creature features, cinema, insomnia has that same sing-songy kind of sound. I, I, I threw it up as a flagpole, and everybody saluted, and and we uh, we premiered as cinema insomnia instead of insomniac theater. Yeah, I really like it. Um, uh, of course, I, I grew up with children theater, which is is another uh, a term that has lasted. But cinema insomnia is is just as as good as that. So very uh, very oh, thank creative. You. I appreciate it. Well, and you're and you can do you can go beyond horror sometimes too. You know, any of those movies that have that late night feel kind of fit in that genre. And I like cult movies too. So it's it's nice to to be able to share the love and host different kinds of movies because uh, you know there's a lot of great films out there and a lot of uh lot, just a lot of um oh, i love movies so the more the merrier uh let us go to jeff who joins us from missouri jeff you're on beyond reality radio with mr lobo hey great love the show tonight Guys thank are you doing good thanks hey i had two, i had two quick questions for you one is uh the first color film I saw that really affected me as a kid was a Vincent Price movie called Pit and the Pendulum, and then later in my teens, the, the Count Yorga movies with Robert Quarry. Do you think those help propel horror movies more into the mainstream public, where, you know, back in the days of black and white, I think they, they weren't as as overall viewed as they started to get in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And the other was a movie uh, in 2014 called The Possession of Michael King, um, that was about a writer who wanted to dib, or a guy that wanted to debunk the paranormal and allowed himself to be possessed by demons. What you thought of that? Let's start with uh, The Pit and the Pendulum. I think it's a terrific movie. Mr. Lobo, your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely terrific. I, I think there, there's uh, there, The Raven, and there's a couple of uh, Vincent Price, uh, Roger Corman team-ups there with uh, Mask of the Red Death. They did several Poe films uh, for uh, American International. They're just 
great. And uh, I think that um, they hold up. And color gives them, you know, I think color was a good breakthrough for a lot of horror movies, at least making them more mainstream. It seemed like a lot of horror product was black and white, even well into the 60s. I think think The Blob in 59 was the first color horror movie that I can think of, which uh, we host Blob Fest every year. and, And I think a lot of why people remember that movie is, you know, it's a blazing color. The color is fantastic. Yeah. Did you like the Count Yorga movies? You know, I, I have to be, my shame is I, I hardly remember the Count Yorga movies. I, you know, I, I, you know, I don't think I've even seen, I don't know if I've seen the Count Yorga movies, so. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, I'll give you my opinion. I hear, I've heard, I, they're on my list. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the first one is, is quite good. Uh, I think it's simply called uh, Count Yorga Vampire, Robert Quarry who was something of a rival to Vincent Price, is is in the lead role as the vampire. They did a sequel, not quite as good, but I thought the first one was uh, was very well done, right around 1970. Um, our caller also wanted to know about a movie more recently, uh, Possession of Michael King. Are you familiar with that one? Uh, just vaguely, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, uh, I, I know of it, and... Uh... You know, and my brain is a little bit mush right now because this is my busiest time of the year, and I've, I've been tra- traveling excessively. So um, I'm going to be kicking myself tomorrow, I think, with some of these. <laughs> yeah. I have not seen Possession of Michael King, so that one is new to me. But uh, thanks for the call, Jeff. We appreciate it. Thank thanks you. for uh, being with us. Uh, we have some uh, more callers on the line. Uh, let us go to David in Ohio. And I believe he wants to know if uh, David, or rather if Mr. Lobo, is actually an insomniac. David, welcome to the program. Is that really your question? Yeah, yeah, that's that's my question. I had another one too, uh, but I was I was just wondering if uh, if he. Well, I don't know. If, you know, you're actually an, an insomniac, but I was wondering if you ever had been or found some kind of remedy for it. Huh, interesting. Uh, you know, I think a lot of, I, I think cinema, cinema insomnia is no accident. I mean, uh, I, I am an insomniac, and I think that there is something about staying up late. I think the, the genre of the late-night movie, I feel like a certain kind of movie, certain movies you watch, like Plan 9 from Outer Space, and it feels like it's 3 in the morning, even when it's not. And I, I like that 3 in the morning feeling. I feel like that that's when my creative juices are flowing the best. Uh, so, uh, you know, yes, I guess is the answer. Uh, staying up late and watching movies. I think the other thing too is when you're up late, people leave you alone, you know, and <laughs> the rest of the world is asleep and you can watch whatever weirdness you want to. Exactly. David, thank um, you. Did you have another question? Uh, yeah. The other question I was, I was wondering, um, when are you typically in the Ohio area? I, you know, I've I've been wanting to do Cinema Wasteland and some of those shows, and I've driven through Ohio uh, on on cross country trips, but I have I have not done a show t- strictly in Ohio. I, I there's a guy in Cincinnati that keeps threatening to uh, bring me out there to do um, to do a, a film show there um, because I was on the air in Cincinnati for years, but. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting. You know, I just need to be invited. So t- tell your local conventions and, and say, hey, we want to see Mr. Lobo here. 
Thank you, David. We appreciate uh, the call very much. So we got to add Ohio to the uh, the list for Mr. Lobo. Uh, we have Kurt. Uh, Kurt joins us from Pennsylvania. You're on Beyond Reality Radio with Mr. Lobo. Oh, hello, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. Yes. Uh, I'm, from, I'm from northeastern Pennsylvania, and our local TV station, when I was a kid, used to run um, like a Friday night show beginning on at midnight. It was called Uncle Ted's Ghoul School. Hmm. And I, I've and heard I was of it, a yes. student there for years. And uh, he was a, a magician that would come on and do magic tricks. And the one night he showed this movie called The Thing with Two Heads with Rosie Greer, the football player. Yes. Football player. And Ray That's Milan. a great movie. That's a great movie, yes. Yes. And uh, Ray Meland was the other head. <laughs> right. He was he was a world renowned uh, transplant expert, and he was dying. So he had this notion right. they were going to what, transplant his head onto this condemned inmate's body, played by yes. Rosie Greer. And the only yes. thing is, I don't know if this would go over good today. It has a lot of racial overtones because. Yes, because he was the, a bigot. Uh, the, the 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 white doctor was a bigot, and then he was trapped on the body of a black man. Right? right? Yeah. That was right. that was the, that was where all the the humor and the conflict of the movie came from. Kurt, thanks for the call, and uh, thanks for bringing back that memory of uh, the thing with two heads. That is a personal hard to, favorite hard not of mine. To laugh when you hear the title of that movie, or as Elvira would say, the head with two things, which I thought was always <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Rosie Greer was a great NFL player, but uh, actually had a fairly significant career in Hollywood. Ray Milan, though, was in a bit of a slump uh, at that point. He was making some very odd films, uh, The Thing with Two Heads, Frogs. These yeah, were not his far, greatest movies. from The Man with the X-Ray Eyes, which is an incredible movie. I have not seen that one. That's a good one? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, that's really effective. I think it's that's that's a great. I don't want to I don't want to give anything away, but but uh, yeah, the man with the X-ray eye, he is tormented. It's one of those. It's one of those things. Like you know, there's certain monsters that are like villainous, and there's certain monsters that are, that are just cursed. And uh, uh, you know, werewolves are cursed. Vampires are more villainous. This is this this guy's got problems and bad, and it's a it's a very. Uh, uh, um, it's, you're just seeing him spiraling out of control, and it's, yeah. it's really good. And Ray Milan was a terrific actor. Uh, let's go back Absolutely. to the phones. Uh, we have D from Florida. D, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. You're on with Mr. Lobo. Hi. How are you doing this evening? Good. Good to hear from Very you. Very well, this thank morning. you. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask, well, I came up with um, three quick questions. The mo- um, movie, um, I need to know the name. I've been racking my brains about it. Um, it it's a newer movie, um, maybe, oh, six years, within six years, I guess. But it okay. was about a girl who went to be a kind of a housemaid to help out a mother, a woman mm-hmm. who was taking care of her ill husband. But it turned out there were no mirrors in the house. And... Mm-hmm. They were actually uh, 
possessed taking, I guess, souls of whoever uh, lived there, and they had been dead for a long time. And the girl went to a voodoo uh, place, and she was told to put salt across the door, and they would not cross salt. Um, and this movie was very, very freaky. Um, and I don't know the name of that movie, but she ended up going up into the attic and, and found out that the butler, the maid, and all of those had been taken. Um, do you happen to know or realize any of those scenarios for that movie? Oh, boy. Uh, so we're trying to, um, you're thinking within the last few years? Well, um, it, I, it, it may be longer. Yeah. It may be like Maybe longer. Because uh, it, uh, it was 2012-ish. Because right uh, uh, somebody's movies blur together for me, but Skeleton Key has yes, some I elements right. of that. That's I think. it. Yeah, that's it. With Kate Hudson, yes. Skeleton Key, yeah, very good that's movie. It. And that that yeah. name hit it right on the head. Excellent film. You had another uh -huh. question, D. And um, Mommy Dearest with Joan Crawford. That was not really a spooky movie, but that was very freaky. The first time you watch it, it kind of freaked you out because you're not used to seeing Joan Crawford play those type of roles. But that one went down, you know, uh, as being a very weird um, movie, um, kind of a classic uh, freaky movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah, good performance, and and uh, I I believe also um, for for the film uh, Mommy Dear, uh, <laughs> yeah, Mommy Dearest. Uh, that is not uh, actually Joan Crawford, but uh, Faye, Dunaway. Faye Dunaway. Yeah, Faye Dunaway as, as Joan Crawford. Oh, okay. yeah. Faye, Faye Dunaway. Right. Okay. Um, and yeah. then I wanted to ask you one last question. Um, it was a series that came on TV, and I forget the actor's name, but it was a man and a boy, and it was American Gothic, and it only ran several series, or sev yeah, several series of the first season, and they yanked it. Um, the actor played the sheriff in the town, and mm -hmm. he was actually the devil. And there was a little boy named Caleb. And I don't know if you r remember that series, but the I remember the series American Gothic. Yeah, it was, a, it was very well made, and, and it, it was short lived. All right, D. Thank you for the call. We appreciate. It. Always good to hear from D. We're going to try to squeeze in one more call. I know that uh, Pierre has been waiting on the line for a while. Pierre joins us from Louisiana. You're on with Mr. Lobo. Welcome, Pierre. Hey, how you doing, guys? How y'all doing tonight? Very good. Very good. Hello, Pierre. Um, I wanted to get your opinion of uh, um, Stephen King and George A. Romero. Those are my two favorite uh, as far as horrors. I can watch Night of the Living Dead all day and anything by Stephen King. 
yeah, well, then you must love Creepshow because they teamed up on that one, and I think that's one of my favorite Halloween movies as far as George A. Romero and Stephen King. I think it's, I think you get a lot of amazing direction visual, visually with uh, Creepshow, and I think those stories are fun and solid in Creepshow, and they all have a great punch. Every story has a punchline, and it's, it's great. So, um, that would, but yes, uh, you know, George A. Romero and Stephen King, two of the greats. I mean, how do you argue with that? Thanks for the call, Pierre. We appreciate it. Um, Mr. Lobo, have you seen the new Creepshow uh, series on Shudder? I think there are about four episodes in. I've been watching it. Have, have you seen any of those? I haven't yet. You know, I'm a little afraid because I think that, you know, how... Uh, that, that series, like I said, with the, with the first Creep Show, every story kind of had a visual punch to it. You know, they, yeah. aren't, they aren't quite like Twilight Zone stories, and my fear is they're just going to take run-of-the-mill anthology stories and just call them Creep Show. So I, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, uh, how they do it? I think it's actually pretty pretty good. Um, I think the, okay. the quality has been um, been quite good. Better than Creep Show Three, then? Huh? <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Uh, maybe not as good as the original film, but uh, yeah. much better than Creep Show Two or Three. Those particular films. We have just a couple yeah. of minutes left. Um, let's talk about what's coming up on your show. What are some of the movies that you're going to be highlighting, and what are you doing special for Halloween this year? Well, we have a you know. I could I could I could bore you with a long list of films, but the the main the main thing that for this year, uh, our season finale is on Halloween and on Roku on our channel, and uh, we are showing Terror in the Haunted House, and we fill in in Psychorama, <laughs> so so uh, which will have subliminal messages happening throughout, and um, we also uh, it's shot in the on the set of Creature Features, so I it was when I was I. I live in Pennsylvania now, but I went out to California for the episode and, and shot in the new Creature Feature set. And uh, so that that's exciting. That was an exciting episode and a great season ender, and I got to collaborate with the, the new hosts of Creature Features, uh, which, is, which is a Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area tradition. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm going to be at the Mahoning Drive-In this weekend showing all of the first six Halloween films. And uh, I'm also going to be at the Ontario Street comic book store in Philly, where they filmed Unbreakable, signing my DVDs on uh, this Saturday. You're going to show all six Halloweens in one night? No, two nights. It's a whole weekend. Oh, it's a whole weekend. So we're showing uh, one and two and a secret film on the first night, and then we're showing four, five, and six. On, oh, four, five, and another secret film, I'm sorry. On the second night, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. But yes, that's, that's, that, I think that is the plan. Certainly a busy... For the folks at the Mahoning Driving. Yeah, certainly a busy time for you. You know, we, we've talked earlier about how this is really a, a strong period of time for horror today. We only have about a minute left. But in, in terms of the horror that you see today, either in TV shows or films, uh, whether it's in theater, streaming, um, what grabs you? What do you really like that's coming out now? You know, I really like stuff that, that's imaginative. You know, I really like stuff that's, that's, uh, that's a little more fun. I am excited to, 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 to see the new Creep Show. I am interested 
in uh, in things like the Conjuring movies and Insidious movies and you know, those newer movies. I think are, are 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 they're fun movies. They're popular movies. The Godzilla movies are great. It's great to have Godzilla back in the theaters again. You know, I, I mean, uh, serial killers are are great, but you know, I think that there's a little bit of fantasy. It's a little bit of uh, the beyond, a little bit of the supernatural that I think is uh, kind of inherent to, to classic horror, and I, I like those kind of movies that have those fantastic elements. Well said. Uh, Mr. Lobo, thank you very much. We appreciate you joining us. If you want to watch his show, Cinema Insomnia, again, it's on Roku Channel, OS174. OSI. Again, I'm sorry, OSI74, OSI74. On the Roku channel. Mr. Lobo, Thank thanks. You. It's been a pleasure. Oh, absolutely. It's been a thrill. Thank you, and happy Halloween. Same to you as well. I've got five quick Halloween horror movie recommendations myself. Two from the classic era, Frankenstein and the Wolfman, both from the 1930s. Both are terrific. More recent films, uh, maybe the last 50 years, Rosemary's Baby from 1968, always great. Uh, a movie that is not that well-known from 1976, Burnt Offerings, with the great Betty Davis, one of my favorites, and The Changeling, a movie from 1980 with a terrific actor, the late George C. Scott, a movie that doesn't get enough credit. So those are five movies. If you haven't seen them before, try to watch them. If you have seen them, enjoy them again. They're all worthy of a second look. That's going to uh, wrap things up for tonight's edition of Beyond Reality Radio. Uh, JV should be back tomorrow night. Our guest will be Alan Stivelman, a filmmaker. He'll be talking about his documentary, Witness of Another World. You've been listening to Beyond Reality Radio. Beyond Reality Radio is hosted by Jason Hawes and J.V. Johnson and produced by Alexandria Johnson and Slick Eddie Edwards for Intercom Radio. Beyond Reality Radio is distributed by Westwood One Radio Networks. Stop by our Facebook page and say hello. Follow the hosts on Facebook as well. For Jason Hawes, follow at JasonHawes.Taps. For J.V. Johnson, follow at JVJParanormal. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Radio or you have a suggestion for a guest, contact Slick Eddie Edwards at SlickEddieEdwards at gmail.com. Be sure to visit our chat room as well at beyondrealityradio.com. Thanks for listening.